So um, the Tulku is visiting us tonight, and he was here and spoke. He spoke to uh, to to us for an hour and a half, and then he spoke for about another hour and a half with our Suta class. So uh, he has a sore throat today, <laughs> and had to go to the doctor today. So I hope your voice holds out. Yes, he's uh, he's strong. So we we ask him especially to talk about himself uh, tonight because everyone's so interested in his life and his story. So it's uh, it's not ego. It's he's been. We ask him to. <laughs> So he can talk about whatever he wants to talk about, but we did request him to tell us about his life. It's very fascinating. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I wanted to like express something. It was not due to the talk that I gave last traveling from Nepal till here like about 20 hours by flight without sleep and moreover I was uh, waiting for 10 hours without sleep so it's like 30 hours no sleep and before I came here I was like two times to India two times to Bhutan in a month period uh, so <laughs> so it was quite like uh, busy schedule with less um, sleep and because of that I think and due to the changes of the weather so please don't feel that uh, I talked here so I have the sore throat <laughs> so anyway um, today um, as per the request um, normally I don't share my stories because I feel that uh, itself less used, so I mostly like focus on the philosophies, what, uh, what, what the Buddhist philosophy is and how we can contribute into the 21st century, this philosophy. So that is my uh, main topic of uh, uh, what I do give uh, talks or you can say workshop that I do with the people but today according to the request I'm going to share some of uh, my uh, life stories. <laughs> so, uh, so to understand uh, Tibetan Buddhism and to understand my story, so I have to like start from the Buddhist Shakyamuni itself. After the enlightenment of Buddhist Shakyamuni 2,600 years back, uh, he preached um, and just, uh, many teachings to the followers to overcome the negativities and uh, turn oneself fully enlightened to to achieve the Buddhahood, I would say. And <clears throat> after uh, when he was about to like uh, demise, and it is mentioned in the Mahapari Nirvana Sutra that some of his disciples approached. And he said, they asked him, what shall, like, what will be the future of uh, Buddhist practice? So, who will continue it? And, like, he has prophesied a lot of uh, things in that Mahapari Nirvana Sutra. But one verse, it mentions that there will be another Buddha who will be coming. It's known as the Padmasambhava, who will appear from the lotus without father and mother, which disappear from the lotus, and he will flourish, advance Buddhist uh, practice in the, uh, and, and, and the teachings will flourish in the snow land. So he turned towards the snow land, uh, towards uh, Tibet, uh, the head towards the snow land, and then he passed away. It is mentioned in that way. So. Um, the advanced, uh, how you say, Buddhist practice, that was the Tantric Buddhist practice, mm. and they were like brought to Tibet by this uh, prophesied master called the Padmasambhava, who appeared from a lotus and uh, 
He was born in the Swat Valley, right now in Pakistan, uh, somewhere there. And then he came to India. He studied in L Nalanda University and with 1,001 teacher, I guess. So in, uh, in short, we can say hundreds of teachers and masters, uh, enlightened masters. He took uh, uh, precepts, he took uh, practices, he took theories of Buddhist philosophy. So after having uh, realized, he went to Tibet and then he established uh, uh, the Tantric Buddhism, which is now known as the uh, Tibetan Buddhism. So he is the founder of Tibetan Buddhism. It is around the 8th century. So, <clears throat> so slowly, like, uh, there were like lots of masters. He was supported by the Tibet, uh, Tibetan emperor. And there were like four major schools later on, uh, which was generated. Uh, the first one he brought is known as the old school, which is, uh, I belong to that old school, uh, which is called Nyingmapa in Tibetan. And then there is Sakyapa, there is uh, uh, Kajupa, and there is Gilukpa, which is the uh, most, how you say, Gilukpa is the most, uh, uh, like, latest, I would say, latest, uh, which belongs to His Holiness the Dalai Lama's uh, lineage. So, So in the old school uh, lineage, we, what we call the Nyingma lineage, the olden one, which was brought in 8th century, we have uh, six great monasteries. We have a different subdivision of six great monasteries. So among that six great monasteries, uh, <clears throat> I belong to one of the monasteries, which is called Payul Monastery in Eastern Tibet. So our headquarters is based in Eastern Tibet. And uh, that Payul Monastery, that the, uh, one of the sixth grade monastery, has uh, more than a thousand monasteries under it. So one of the monasteries uh, belongs to uh, me, and uh, I'm the caretaker of that monastery. And uh, I also belong to the mother monastery, the chief headquarter monastery. And uh, uh, in my past life, actually, uh, I was um, re uh, I'm the Lama of uh, a great philosopher and a practitioner whose name is Jamyang Dorji. Um, and my present name is Jamyang Gyatso. Uh, Jamyang means uh, the god of wisdom and Yato is the ocean. So, uh, I was recognized as uh, a reincarnated Lama at the age of two. So my father is from the southern uh, Tibet, which is close to Nepal border. Uh, and my mother is a Nepali tribe, so who are known as Sherpas the great climbers of Mount Everest. So she's from Everest region. So <clears throat> uh, my father fled from, uh, after the Chinese invasion, my father fled uh, to Nepal and met with my mom. And then they came to Kathmandu, they settled down. And I'm the third son, uh, a child, the youngest child of uh, three, uh, one my elder brother, and then my elder sister, and, and myself, the youngest, and, and quite spoiled also. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe so much of attention from the mother, so quite spoiled from very small childhood, and uh, uh, because uh, I was like uh, quite uh, dear to my mom. My mom, even after the recognition of uh, like my, I was recognized as a uh, previous Lama's rebirth. So they don't want me to 
sent back to Tibet uh, or sent to a monastery. Why? Because one of the reasons why my uh, mother don't want to send is because I'm so small. She's there, this small child. And my father has his own interest because he was, uh, he didn't have any academic education in Tibet because we don't have schools there. So um, because of that, my father thought, okay, my, I must send all my children to school rather than to a monastery so that they will have uh, more civilized knowledge or something. So that's what my father thought about. So I was sent to school and they were never interested in sending me um, to a temple or a monastery. <clears throat> So, uh, from the very small childhood, I remember that I was very close with the monks. Um, I feel more comfortable with the monks uh, than with my own brothers and sisters and with my family members. I have more, like, I become more closer to uh, the monks and I am like, how you say, magnetized with the ritual objects like bells, drums that we used to keep at home. And, and normally, like in Tibetan culture, we do have like scriptures and all those instruments at home. You keep it at home. So, and I, and, and since like very small, I have the knowledge about meditation. So no one taught my father um, have no idea about meditation because he come from a nomad family. So he knows how to take care of cattle, but he don't know how to take care of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and though my mom came from like a bit spiritual background because um, our great grandfathers were a lama practitioner. So, but still, like my grandfather from my mother's side, uh, and my mother also don't have much idea about uh, the spiritual practices. And uh, they may do some readings and prayers, but not meditation. But I, I since very small, I do meditation. And uh, we have a garden, and I used to go inside the bushes, thinking that this is a jungle. And I, I get in, I make a hole. <laughs> into that bush and I try to meditate even though I don't have much idea about meditation I just fold my leg and sit there in this posture in, inside the bush <laughs> so, so, so I make my own self illusions that I'm in jungle <laughs> so, 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 and I'm very fond of that. Later I came to know that when I visit uh, Eastern Tibet at my monastery, there, there, was a, uh, there was a cave just below my monastery, which is like about 20 minutes walk uh, in a cliff. It's a very deadly cliff that you have to walk. And in that cliff there is a, a, a cave where I used to meditate in my past life. So I think because of that, you know, I just came to see it and know it only in 2004. <laughs> but I was doing that uh, even in the, in, the, in, the, in the 80s, in the early 80s, I used to meditate. So um, I started doing serious meditation at the age of four, five, six, seven. These are the years I really uh, was like very keen on meditating. And my father and mother, they get really um, amazed with my acts, you know, like this sort of act, which normally the kids would not do it. All my friends, they play, but I just go inside and do my meditation. And sometimes I fall asleep there, <laughs> and my father would take me and then, uh, like, put me into the bed. So. Even like recently, like few months back, he was talking, he was sharing how, where, where he found me sleeping in this meditation posture. <laughs> so, 
So uh, these are the few things uh, that I have like impact from my previous life, the meditation, and I do understand uh, very clear that about the understanding about the emptiness. No one taught me. I find myself very crazy about this idea, but it uh, automatically generates in my mind that everything what I hear, everything what I see, touch, smell, these are illusions. These are not really there. That sort of feeling is very, very strong. I may see it, I may hear it, I may touch it, but the real identity is not there. It's all illusions. You know, these sort of things, it pops in my mind. And sometimes I remember, like a few times, I share this to my fellow friends who are like eight years, seven years, when we were playing. And I told some of my friends that, you know, maybe we are in illusion. You know, maybe these are not real that we see house, that we see each other, that we touch. Maybe this is not real. And they say, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what you understand. <laughs> You're like, crazy. <laughs> don't, don't talk too much. Let's play. Even, even I convinced myself that, oh, maybe this thinking is weird. You know? I'm thinking too much. So when I joined the monastery at the age of 13, and when they taught about the emptiness and they said this is the highest understanding and the philosophy in Buddhism to, to attain Buddhahood or Nirvana. And I said, oh my God, this, I already know it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't crazy. All my friends were crazy <laughs> and made me more crazy. <laughs> so. <clears throat> So I went, I went to school, I went to school at that time, and uh, my, my father uh, sent me to school because uh, of his own interest. And how I become a monk is one day I felt that uh, I should do some spiritual practice because uh, when I was in high school, all my friends um, quite naughty, and I, I joined this company because uh, they, they were like my classmates, and they taught me how to smoke, so I smoked cigarette. I used to see the magazines with the Marlboro with masculine men on <laughs> horse, you know, on a horse, and and with. Like that masculine figure in the picture really pulled me, you know. And I thought maybe smoking makes me more stronger. <laughs> <laughs> and my my friend's father used to have a shop, and he sells cigarettes. So he had that Marlboro. So I I thought, oh, this is nice. You know, we took packet and we started like smoking, though we don't know how to smoke. Started smoking and then. Some, some come with a greater idea, like let's have some sip of uh, like wine or something, you know. And at the age of 12 and 13, I started like indulging in this thing, like little by little, but not too much. I was quite scared with my mom, which was quite strict. Um, and uh, slowly they come with the pills, you know, better ideas. This is called evolution. <laughs> so, so evolution in negative activity. So, so, so they come with these different pills that it will make you high, you know. And uh, sometimes they come with uh, marijuana. Uh, so marijuana to nirvana. <laughs> So all these like tidbits, <clears throat> sometimes they will come with like chewing tobacco, you know, you feel really giddiness and wacky. And all this like experience was going on and on like for a couple of years. So, so I thought, okay, I cannot be in this company now, otherwise I'll ruin my life. And 
I can't ask my parents to change the school because if I say to change the school, then they would ask a lot of questions, why, why? Then I can't express this thing. At the same moment, though I was uh, like quite naughty with the actions in schools, but I have very serious feeling in spirituality. So even though I was doing all this thing, I have this spiritual urge, very strong. And whenever I go to a holy place or a temple, you know, I make sure that I'm very disciplined and very serious with whatever I do. So like frustration or some meditation, whatsoever. I was very, very serious with that. And I was more serious uh, than my own academic school knowledge. So there was this great interest and urge within myself even though I was going in wrong, wrong actions. Uh, and one day I told my mom, like, I want to uh, go, go, go to a temple to become a monk. And my mom said, what is this? You know, she was shocked. She was shocked and she says, no. And later again, I asked several times, she said, no. So I came up with the idea. So I told her that, okay, if you want me to go to school and college, I will go. But if I am ruined, you know, or if I become a bad boy or something, then you will be the responsible. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell that I have this company, but I just told <laughs> the half story. <laughs> Only the future, I didn't talk about the present conditions. So I said, you'll be the responsible for me being a bad man. So she, she obviously don't want to take that responsibility. So she had no choice. So she said, fine, you can be a monk. Then uh, my, my father was also shocked because he, in the end he was like convincing me, saying like, okay, you go to school, you go finish your college, then you go. And I told him the same thing. By the time I finish my college, maybe I'm finished. You know? So it was sort of like emotional blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that they cannot deny this fact. So, uh, so, I, I, I like somehow managed to like go to a monastery and then I joined there not as a, as a reincarnated Lama which is like uh, highly respected but, uh, but as a simple monk. You know. so, so when I join as a monk then I have to do all the work you know, like cleaning, washing, cooking and then the monastery has like many cows so I become sort of like a cowboy, <laughs> cows, cleaning the cow dung. And I have no experience like this sort of experience at home. So because I am the youngest, so I'm always fully protected, well cared. <laughs> so I don't have to wash my dish, I don't have to wash my clothes, I just have to throw it in front of my sister so that she will wash it. <laughs> so this was my condition. but. Going back in a monastery, like thousands of monks, and then you have to cook, you have to get up early in three o'clock in the morning. So there is like rotation time, like 15 days cooking, and then that 15 years seems to be like 15 years. <laughs> so <coughs> I really don't like it, but I have no choice. So I did it as if I like it, you know. Then um, later, when I do the studies in Buddhist philosophies, I came to know that whatever I understood in the early age, it was the uh, highest philosophy. And I really felt proud of myself, you know. And uh, I was unable to share this with the other fellow monks because they may not digest it. So <coughs> they may feel that uh, it's something that you wanted to promote yourself. So I just kept quiet. I, I talked this uh, matter with my mentor and he said, he, he might also felt, uh, might have felt quite weird. So he said, oh, that's fine, that's great, great. But he didn't say much about it. 
So anyway, I was happy with myself, but uh, uh, I, I did my school, uh, the Lama school, and then I, I joined the institute. And I studied like about 11 years in the monastery, in the rituals, and like, you know, the school, and then uh, some, some uh, preliminary practices, and then, uh, and then the Buddhist philosophy, of course. I was considered as a good student there, but I was not happy with the, the, the uh, how you say, with the monastery, I would say. Why I was not uh, happy is because uh, I thought the knowledge that I get in there, uh, in, the, in the temple, is just theories. You know? So where is the practice? So, and to transform myself, I need to practice. So I thought Buddhism is not about information, it's about transformation. So I need to transform myself, so I need practice. So only the theories piling up every day with new ideas. I don't live in ideas, I live in a fact. So I thought, well, I really need to like come out of this temple Though it's good and giving me quite knowledge, but this is not what I'm seeking. So I thought I need to have a serious master who can guide me uh, through the meditation. And uh, I searched for, for some time and then I found some information that uh, in, in, in Tibet there's a master, great yogi. And uh, I was really like, by by hearing his name and seeing one of his picture, really pulled over and I felt like, oh, this is the master I have to see. I just felt it. And, but then I have to go through a lot of like, uh, do, do a lot of traveling. So I asked my parents to support me financially to go to Tibet with the, uh, with the airfare and the, the visa issues and everything. They said no. <laughs> and I asked them, why not? Because I'm serious. My mom said, oh, you didn't complete your school. Now you are not completing your institute knowledge in Lama, Lama Institute. Now all half, half, half of your, your life will become very difficult. So you have to finish that. And I said, um, I'm not interested with this because I feel meditation is more important. So I don't want to pile up so much of philosophy or the theories one day. So I want to do more serious practice. She could not digest this. She thought, oh, in, in school also you are quite naughty and you didn't finish your school. Now you are not finishing this monastic uh, institution, institution knowledge. Now we cannot support. You have to go back to institute. So I said, fine. Then deep inside, I don't feel like going to the institute. And I took my passport, luckily. And without a single penny, I went to India. I went to India. And uh, I said, I'm going to... I, I used to study in uh, my institute, the monastery, in South India. So from Kathmandu, I went to South India, but I didn't go to the monastery. I stayed in Indian slum for like eight months. There was a friend of mine who lived in the slum, so I became like a slum dog millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was there for like uh, about eight months, not because that I like it, it's because that I was quite depressed, you know. Oh, my family members could not support me and I don't feel like going to the monastery. So I'm stuck there and it was like, you know, I, I need some support. I couldn't find support. But uh, luckily that the person that I know in the slum, he used to support me, you know, like support me with the footing and lodging. So I was sitting there looking for opportunity. So I contact with some of my friends overseas and luckily one of my friends from Singapore um, he said that okay you can come I can help you with some job or something and I said 
Would you help me with the airfare and all? He said, okay, then I'll pay you later. So I went there and I work in a company, but I, it's illegal. You know? And I don't have the degree to, to, to have a good job, so I have to sweep the floor. And uh, to, to make the money to travel to Tibet, I have to like uh, clean the floor and uh, uh, transport the goods in DHL and FedEx and check the email, clean the toilets, and then, and then um, I get some money out of it. So, and when, while I was like cleaning the toilet, you know, one day I felt like, oh my God, you know, I, I, I am an incarnated lama. <laughs> in our community, it's well respected. But in this, in this country, I'll see, you know. And I felt very sad myself, and my tears came up. But suddenly I thought, in my second thought, I said, Oh, I'm not doing this to buy a house or a car. I'm doing this to go to Tibet to do my practice. So it is a struggle for a dharma practice. So it's like great yogis who have like so much of struggle to take great instructions and to get enlightenment. So this is a process of enlightenment. I shouldn't be thinking that way, you know. So I convinced myself. And that was really great. It really crushed my ego of being a lama. You know? <laughs> so, so that way it helped. Though it was very painful, but it helped. Now, now, I, I forgot to mention about how I got this, uh, 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 how, I, how I was like enthroned as a, as a, as a reincarnate lama. Though I joined at the age of 13 as a simple monk, uh, at the age of 15, his Holiness, the Dalai Lama, all, all sent a recognition letter again. You know? uh, so this is the second time. And even then, my parents were not happy because uh, my parents thought, uh, you become a good scholar, good human being, that's better than uh, having a title of a Tulku or a Dinkanet Lama, which is well respected. So we don't want that name. So you be uh, better human being and a great scholar. That's that's more important. So I also didn't bother much about that because till now I don't feel much about this concern about my title or something. So, so even after His Holiness, he sent uh, the recognition letter saying that he is a reincarnated Lama. Uh, my parents refused and uh, asked me to be a monk itself. And at the age of 17, the monastery where I stay, um, the Lama again reconfirmed. And uh, he enthroned himself. You know. So that time my parents were like helpless because the master was, uh, the, the monastery's master was doing enthronement ceremony for, by himself. So my parents could not deny that. But, uh, one day earlier, uh, um, before my enthronement, my mom was quite grieving that I will have enthronement. <laughs> and she was saying that, oh, this shouldn't, that this is not right, because we are not confident about you uh, being a tulku, you know, the incarnate lama. So I, I don't think you, you, you deserve this respect right now because you are not matured enough and we are not confident. And I think it's better to be a good practitioner, but then since oh, the, the, the monastery's chief head lama is doing all the enthronement ceremony, so we are helpless. You know? And they have invited like thousands of people already. So, with no choice, we did the, the enthronement at the age of 17. So about four years, I stay like a common monk. Now I'm like upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> and from the next day, I was known as uh, 
uh, Rinpoche or a precious one, you know, like, so in our community. So um, it took a lot of like time to, for the, my friends and other people to digest that I am a Rinpoche. You know, the same guy now, it's like popping up and sitting on a throne, giving blessing, you know, the same guy work uh, to clean the cow dung, now the same thing as <laughs> So it's, it's quite difficult to digest uh, the fellow monks and some of my relatives also. Anyway, so at the age of like uh, 17 was recognized. So while I was cleaning the toilet, so I flashed back all this, you know, sitting on a throne, well respected, with the white scarf coming, and then my tears rolled down. <laughs> but I managed to like control myself uh, that uh, this is not something like I'm doing it for my own enjoy, uh, how you say, like uh, for my own enjoyment, but I'm doing it for uh, the practice. So this is a part of struggle for my practice. So I shouldn't be taking it that way. And then uh, I worked about like six to seven months like that. I accumulated $3,000. So I said, oh, now I'm ready. My boss told me that uh, you should work like two years so you can accumulate mm. more money so you can go later on. I said, I didn't come here for work. So I just wanted to accumulate some money and thank you for your support. I need to go to Tibet now. I think this money is enough for me. So <coughs> somehow I managed uh, to get the Chinese visa, then I went to China, and we were not allowed to enter in Tibet, but then I sneak in Tibet, <laughs> <laughs> through the road, and uh, to make the conversation short, to make the conversation short, I think um, um, uh, on the way it was like the Chinese, uh, I was not... Uh, um, able to read Chinese, but I do know how to speak a little bit, a little bit of Chinese language. Uh, but it was very difficult to communicate in the southern China because their accent was different. And um, though I managed to randomly, I went to uh, my uh, master's place. So on the way, it took like three days. Uh, to reach uh, the, the town where my, uh, close to my master's uh, monastery. And on the way, uh, I should mention that I was robbed by like the Chinese hooligans, you know, gang at night, and said, take out money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to give some money, otherwise they may bash and take all my things. So I, I compromised, okay, better give some money. <laughs> Then, then take away all my things. So, uh, with quite uh, like uh, difficulties, I came uh, 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 to the town which was near to my uh, teacher's uh, monastery. Then I had some relief. Oh, now I am I'm in Tibet. Now I can go to my... Uh, I saw Tibetan people, I asked them in Tibetan language and then they, they say you are in the right place, so you have to go from here. It takes about like four or five hours. And, uh, but uh, the bad news was it was uh, snowing already. <coughs> and the road was blocked. So my money was also finishing. <laughs> and I need to get to the temple, but on the way it was heavy snow. And I say, when will this snow melt? They say, like, come after four months. <laughs> <laughs> it was like about October, end of October, and it started snowing. November, December, January, February. Yeah, on March, it would melt. And I had a visa of one month. And I, I cannot stay in, uh, in, in China illegally because I, I will be, like, totally, like, uh, lost if I if I if I'm in China uh, illegally, then maybe Chinese government will take me somewhere, and then I'm like totally vanished from this whole world. <laughs> so I don't want to take that risk. So what I did was I went back, and again I I pleaded my boss 
to recruit me again. And uh, luckily he managed and then I worked for several months, like four or five months. Then I came back for the second time. Second time I came and uh, now this, this, this time it was easy for me to come down. But I went to, I managed to like to go to the temple also. But the teacher was not there. <laughs> now this is the second time. And I thought, what is this, you know? First time I came, I, I finished all my money and then it was snowing and I felt bad that time also. But I, I convinced myself saying like, okay, this is a struggle, this is a struggle. So now, how many, how many struggles do I have to do? And when I reached monastery, the monk said that the Lama is not here. The Guru has gone to Beijing or Shanghai somewhere, you know, for treatment. And I thought, okay, I'll just wait there. So I had like um, one month visa. So I waited until 27th, on the 27th day, he appeared, you know. Oh, I felt so relieved. And I felt as if like there's a big sunshine in my life. Now I, I am like totally satisfied. And I heard this news and I went uh, to him and uh, I always uh, uh, deny uh, some fact like when you see your root guru, you know it's written in the scriptures most of the time. When you see your root guru, the karmic connections and your, your, your whole hair on your body will stand up, shivering sort of feeling and then the tears will roll down, you know, automatically. And I could not digest this thing when I was in the institute. I think, oh, this is all nonsense, you know. Maybe there would be some feeling or devotion, but till that extent, I think this is all masalas. So much of spices, you know. So, <coughs> I thought this was exaggeration. But surprisingly, when I met this master, oh, my tears rolled down, all, all these things, whatever it's written in the scripture, it happened, you know. And I was sobbing and sobbing, sobbing for 15 minutes. And my conscious mind says, why are you tearing? Why are you crying? It's a shame, try to control, try to control. And I could not control. It's bursting, as if it's a sleeping volcano, you know, bursting. So, it, it is really like a different experience. Uh, so it's a, I, I understood, from that day I understood this is karmic connection and then whatever they have written in the scripture is true. And then he asked me, um, why you come here? Who are you? I say, I am so and so a lama, incarnated lama, but then I come here because I have a lot of pollutions and negative emotions inside, so I wanted to uh, have teachings uh, like the instruction, the meditation instruction from you so that I can get enlightenment. So he said, okay, fine. And the core essential instruction that he gave was five minute instruction. After all this struggle for so many months, and ultimately, he gave me this five-minute instruction that also, which I have heard the same instruction 100,000 times <laughs> in my institute from my mentors already. The same word, the same words, he's speaking them, you know, that also five minutes. I said, I thought he's going to give me some extraordinary something. But these words and this, I already know. So what is the difference? I couldn't understand, you know. And I was like quite upset also and like un unsatisfied. And I went back and I did meditation. But I realized later on that the same verse and the same word given by my master and given by mentors 100,000 times for the last one decade, you know, in the institute, the blazing is really different. So I understood, like, on, on the 
on the instruction when I meditated after the hearing that uh, from my master, it really like touched my heart and a lot of understanding automatically it came. Those blockages, so many blockages, so many misunderstanding into, into the scripture, it automatically opens, you know, your instinct develops. I don't know how. And I managed to understand a lot of things, you know. Though we used to debate in the, in the monastery for so long time, we cannot understand the core essence of uh, the philosophies. But while meditating, without any mentor, you are your own master. So the scripture says, the outer master, the master outside is the external master. You are your own master. So I understand a lot of things, you know, with that five-minute instruction. And I understood that when a realized master speaks, you know, there is a great, how you say, weight and a great blessing which opens your channel automatically and you become your own master. But if a mentor who don't practice but which when he teaches you, then I think you can have a mentor, but uh, so much of teaching also doesn't open your channel. So that's the difference between the master's quality and just a simple teacher. You know. So <coughs> it really opened, until now it's opening up a lot. <coughs> and one incident, and after that I met him several times back and forth. And uh, uh, and once when I was uh, going through this uh, meditation uh, course, uh, he told me that in his monastery, like about five thousand monks and nuns, in his monastery, um, there are about seven hundred enlightened monks and nuns. You know, and most of them are nuns enlightened and they can see the visions they can uh, control the emotions and he was talking about a lot of like good qualities and when i heard that i felt like oh my god i as a respected one who is like uh, who is more respected than the common monks and nuns but they are better in the practice. So I felt ashamed of myself. And then again the tears come. And I told my master that maybe I'm not a reincarnated Lama. I cannot believe that I'm reincarnated Lama because if I'm reincarnated Lama, I should be better than them. You know? I should be better than them. But I'm like lousier than them. So now my master told me that no, it's not like that. Though you have a lot of emotions, negative emotions and pollution right now, so there will be a time when your channels will open up. And then, and then unlike the other wrongs, you, have, you don't have to struggle too much. It, it will just go like wildfire thing. And you will develop very quickly. But till now, I'm looking when that channel will open. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day when that wildfire will come and burn all my negative emotions. <laughs> so only a few sparks here and there, but no wildfire. <laughs> so, and after that, <clears throat> I came back to uh, Nepal, India and Bhutan. I do short retreats. And uh, I didn't go back to temple. And for like about 10 years, I totally disrobed myself. I wear jeans. I have a ribbon speck. I have long hair, sometimes short, sometimes long. And I totally disrobed myself after coming back from Tibet. And I totally become, how you say, uh, uh, a punk from a monk. <laughs> and for these 10 years, people thought, oh, he went to Tibet, struggled so much. 
And now, he, from monk, he become a punk. But I told that now this is the time that I need to, like, I, I have done so much of, uh, how you say, like, uh, we, we do course, we, we learn theories about divinity. Now I think it's not the time for divinity, now it's time for humanity. So I wanted to make myself as more human rather than more divine, more holy. I don't want to make that. So I come down, I, I make myself very common and I didn't express that I'm a reincarnate lama or nothing like that, you know. And then I mixed with the young people, I worked with the rehab and then uh, alcoholic anonymous and then with the college student, with companies, private sectors, government sector. Slowly, slowly I worked, but you know, this is a small world with all the technology and information. People started knowing that I am a reincarnated lama. <laughs> so, so anyway, I started doing that and for like about nearly about 10 years and recently I again wrote myself and everyone was shocked again. <laughs> so, uh, so in that, in that uh, way I understood a lot uh, about this uh, social crisis or social challenges because I live in among uh, the lay people. So, uh, so I was also trying to like prove myself that tomorrow, tomorrow no lay people would say, oh, you don't pay the electricity bill, you don't pay the tax. You are in a monastic, uh, how you say, the community and everything is free footing, free lodging and for you it's like, uh, you don't know our, our difficulties and challenges. So tomorrow some people may not say that. So I put myself for nearly a decade paying the tax, paying the electricity bill, going myself shopping, coming back, shopping, cooking, everything. So, um, so this is a great experience and uh, here I am. <laughs> so I hope I didn't make you feel very uh, drowsy. <laughs> So, uh, these are my uh, things, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.